0: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Inside the Exorcist ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. I'm Mark Ramsey. Welcome to this special bonus episode of Inside the Exorcist. I am really happy to have with me as a guest today, Jeffrey Reddick. Jeffrey is a producer, writer, uh, also actor, correct, Jeffrey?
1: Yeah, I've done some acting. That was my first love.
0: Uh, Jeffrey is probably best known to the people who are listening to this uh, show as the creator of Final Destination, which soon became Final Destination, the franchise.
1: Yeah, <laughs> um, you can't keep death down. <laughs> you, can't,
0: you can't escape death and you can't keep death down. Isn't that ironic? Hey, Jeffrey, is there going to be any other, I mean, Final Destination is now, what, about four or five chapters deep? Yeah, yeah. Are we going to see any um, more?
1: You know what? It's so funny because, you know, this that's kind of the up to the studio if they're going to do any more or not. I know the fans have been kind of clamoring for one for, you know, it's been years um, since the fifth one came out. So, um, you know, I think part five was re- super strong. So even if we don't do any more, that's a good one to go out on. But um, I know, like, you know, every day I keep getting messages from people going, is there going to be another one? So at some, you know, that, we'll see. We'll see what the studio says.
0: Well, also, I like the fact that one of them was called the final destination, and then there was another chapter after that. It's kind of like, of course,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think that that's a funny thing with um, with when you ca- in the horror the horror genre when you you know when you call something the final chapter, you know, like whether it's Friday the Thirteenth or or any franchise, you know, you, you kind of expect it to like answer all the questions and. And and everything. And that one didn't didn't do it, you know, so they should have yeah, they should have held off on calling.
0: The the one thing we know is that there are always more questions, right, Jeffrey?
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely. You can always find more.
0: (laughs) So my history with Jeffrey, we're gonna get into the exorcist in a minute, but my history with Jeffrey, which he may not even remember, so I'm gonna see I'm gonna this is a test, Jeffrey. Goes back goes back to the very beginning of Final Destination because at that time I believe you were working at New Line. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. And, um, and I was uh, writing movie satire, and I was doing satirical movie reviews, and one of the ones I chose to do was on Final Destination. I would pick whatever's hot for the week. And um, you encountered that review because a lot of people were reading that, uh, those reviews at that time and sent me a note and said, hey, see if you like this better and you attached a PDF of your original screenplay.
1: Oh, that's so funny. I remember doing that,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, was, which was different in some very interesting ways from uh, the final film. I won't go into that just in case you ever want to use that in the future. But we go back to that. And then the other thing that you don't know is I interviewed some of the actors in the movie at, uh, when it first came out. And Devin Sawa was the, the, the lead actor in the movie. Did a great job, yeah. by the way. And, yeah. and um, uh, I remember interviewing him. I brought along a Frisbee and I said, hey, um, let's uh, get out of this hotel and go outside. So we went outside in front of the hotel, and we were tossing around a frisbee for a while, and I can tell you Devin Saw is a really good frisbee player.
1: <laughs> I did not know that.
0: <laughs> or I'm I really bad. The other thing is, uh, through the hotel, we went down the, the to the exit of the hotel, and every door, he would pound on the door and start running, and I was the guy left behind when they opened the door. <laughs> So well, there you go. That's my history of Devin Sel. That's Sala.
1: awesome. No, he's amazing. We've yeah, he's um, moving into directing now. He's really strong director. So, oh, I didn't um, know that. He's, he's a, yeah, he's a great guy. So I really, really adore him. And Tony Todd, we've become really good friends over the years. And, yeah,
0: Tony Todd's amazing. Um, um, so I want to talk to you about The Exorcist because you're a guy who has spent um, most of your career working in the horror, in and around the horror genre. And we're going to talk about some of your current projects in a bit. But I want to begin with kind of one that goes back to 1973. And um, you were interested in doing this. And I'm assuming that's because The Exorcist has had a certain impact on you. Um, can you just go back in time? What was your first experience of the original movie, The Exorcist?
1: Um, well, my first experience was like that was the one movie my mom would not let me watch. <laughs> of course. Um, she would let me watch other <laughs> horror films. Um and she would not let me watch that one. So then that just made me want to see it more. Um, and I'd heard about the, um, you know, a couple of the, like the crucifix scene and the head mm-hmm. turnings. So I'd heard about a couple of these scenes, but it wasn't – was, well, I was still very young. I was like – I'm acting like I was ancient when I saw it. But like when I was like 13 years old, me and my best friends back home, Tony and Calvin and uh, Jason, um, would get together and just watch all the – like horror films. We'd try to find the most – terrifying grotesque one so that was actually one of the first ones we watched Mm -hmm. when we got to get when we started hanging out we're like let's go see the let's go get the exorcist and we knew the guy that ran the video store so he would let (laughs) us he would let us rent it was a very small town in eastern kentucky so he would he would let us rent like he would let us rent anything we wanted except for porn so you know we watched the exorcist and we were just like whoa you know um the funny thing is as a kid you don't you know you appreciate the film as you get older because it it's such a great work of art and you know it, it does you know lure you into the story um and you get to know this this family so well before the terror strikes and mm-hmm. you know at, th- at 13 we're just like where's the blood where's the nudity um so we were kind of just waiting <laughs> for that for the this sc- scary stuff to start so we're like oh, this first part is boring you know like 13 year old brats we're like yeah. this first part is boring but once it yeah once it's once the possession starts it's you know, it was like, it just blew our minds and the special effects were really into that too. So all that stuff really impressed us. And, um, you know, I, again, I always, I still watch it. And as, as you get older, you just, I mean, older than 13, you start actually appreciating all the parts of it, how well written it was, the, the act, the caliber of the acting, um, you know, the, the effects and the, just the, you know, just how it, it strikes a chord with people. Like, um, all the stuff you don't appreciate as a 13-year-old. <laughs> well,
0: talk about that for a sec, because your guy works in the business. I mean, you write, you direct, uh, you produce. I, I, from a technical standpoint, what makes that movie stand out in your mind?
1: I think it's directed... I'm a very big fan, and this kind of influences my work, because I'm, I'm a very big fan of kind of just classic directing where, you know, you don't have to over... You, you know, you don't have to shaky cam everything. You don't have to do fast edits. You don't have mm-hmm. to... You know, you don't have to keep the camera moving constantly because for me, that's, you know, in my opinion, that's a sign of a filmmaker who doesn't quite trust the material is going to pull people in and off. And with that film, I think it was it was directed like you wouldn't even know it was a. It could have just been a. it was directed as if it was like a real life documenting of like a family, you know, mm-hmm. what I'm saying like you felt like you were there and it wasn't directed like with a lot of like horror movie tropes, like, you know, right off the bat, like, you know cats, you know, flying out of closets and screechy music (laughs) and stuff like that. It was, it really was like, we got to meet this family and they were going through a crisis that you could relate to. And then this horrible stuff started happening. And, you know, so I think the realism, um, you know, the realistic style that it was directed in and the, and the, the way it did take the time to let you get to know this family before all hell broke loose, um, was what, what really makes it stand with test that, you know, the, the, test of, or withstand the test of time. You know, it, um,
0: it's interesting that it does lack that one critical element that every horror movie seems to have, which is someone opening the refrigerator door and then closing it, and then there's the, you know, there's the scary thing on the other side of the door. Yeah,
1: absolutely, <laughs> yeah. So it did, yeah, it didn't have that, in again, no cats flying, <laughs> flying out from under, you know.
0: Jump scares.
1: Where, yeah. Um. So, so yeah, I think that the the realism of it, um, and again, the, the time that it took to, like, let you know this this family and, um, understand the relationship between the mother and the daughter before the horrible things started happening is what really makes it just hold up today. You know, it's still so watchable today. Um,
0: do you think that, um, that that style of, I mean, Friedkin obviously had been a documentarian before getting into a scripted film. Do you think that that kind of style of movie making is, is, is almost a quaint relic, or is that something that you see today in the genre? I think you still
1: see a lot of it in the genre. I think, you know, it's this, you know, when you're making a film like the studios are the ones that will tell you, you know, we got to speed things up, we've got to, you know, get to the gore quicker, we've got to have some more jump scares in there. And, you know, and I still think that, you know, if you see a movie like Get Out, mm-hmm. you know, that movie built dread you know and and had characters that you liked you know obviously had more humor in it than (laughs) the exorcist but you know you see that that style of filmmaking still speaks to people like you know again everybody's like oh the kids today because that's you know kind of the demographic everybody aims for you know they Mm -hmm. have add and they won't watch anything that doesn't kick in right away with a bunch of scares and gore but then you know something like get out comes out or you know even the um annabelle you know Mm -hmm. was another one that you know it had scares in it, but it still took. They were, you know, it was more of a, the slow build kind of uh, genre fare, you know, that you see a lot of James Wan, Wan's movies, um, you know, have. They do that. They kind of pull you into a story with, you know, there's yeah, there's a creepy opening, but then then they'll take some time to get, let you get to know these characters um, before bad stuff starts happening. So I don't think that'll ever go out of style for filmmakers, because you know, a lot of the people. That you know, even like a movie like Final Destination, it was you know, it was it was flashy, but it wasn't like again, it wasn't hyper cut, it wasn't oversaturated greens and yellows, hmm. you know, and you know, which there's nothing wrong with that style of filmmaking either. I just, I know there was a phase where everybody's like, oh, well, some psychologists said that yellows and greens make people uneasy, so let's <laughs> saturate saturate our films with those colors and and overblow them. And for me, I'm very much a natural, you know, I like natural lighting, natural. You know, I just like things to look like real life. Um, and I think that that, so I don't think that style is ever going to go out um, with filmmakers.
0: There's um, also, it seems to me, in, in movies like Annabelle, uh, for example, there, there's that whole element of things that kind of creep up on you, there's, the, there's a real slow movement of the film when they, to build the tension. There's a lot of stuff you can't see. There's a lot of things that live in shadows. You know, there's a lot of work with dark and silence, it seems to me. And that's one of the elements too, that I, I feel like is kind of coming back a little bit, but it gone out of fashion for a while.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, I think a lot of that has to do with, um, you know, James Wan's contribution, you know, with, with, you know, the conjuring and, and, you know, I mean, he, he also, kind of kicked off that other craze with Saw, you know, with the sped up cameras and the oversaturated mm-hmm. color. So That's it's true. It's interesting that um, you know, two of his, you know, like his touchstone films have kind of run the gamut from like the flashy, you know, horror to the to the more mm-hmm. realistic, like subdued building of suspense horror. And I again I think they're I think they're both valid for the right films. I just sometimes I think people put that you know, I think they put that style on a film that wasn't written for that style, and then that mm-hmm. ends up being a little jarring.
0: So um, back to The Exorcist for a second. What do you, yeah. what was the impact of that movie on you as a filmmaker?
1: You know, it, it really, once I got pat, you know, again, once I really started, because I love the effects, and so, you know, I was very big into practical effects, but, you know, the psychology of the movie really struck a tone with me. It's like, that's one of the things I love about the genre is that, you know, you can deal with, Themes like you know, the the family in crisis, a lot, the loss of faith, mm-hmm. the um, regaining of faith, the you know you can deal with all these deep themes in a movie and get great actors who want to work, and it just elevated the genre. I mean, it, it you know it's it completely just took the genre to a, another level. Like and and that's what I aspire to do at some point. I mean, I grew up also on the fun schlocky stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Sure, you know, but but I have you know I have a lot of stories, you know, a lot of stories I've done where the subtext was just stripped out because they're like, you know, nobody's here to watch a movie about anything except <laughs> blood. So mm-hmm. um, but you know as I move you know more into directing, I'm really focusing on a couple of projects that, yeah, that have you know a, a theme behind them and a story behind them. and um, and I think that that's one of the lasting impacts that film has had on me is just, you know, you take time to build the characters and let people know these people and care for them. Um, and then you can have really horrible things happen to them, but you can also explore different themes and and issues that are going on in the world without doing it, like, with a
0: sledgehammer. And Um, that's, again, there's an example of how, uh, why Get Out is so acclaimed right now, right? Because it does exactly that. And and don't you think, too, or this is certainly my belief, that, that kind of those larger themes are what make the projects worth doing in the first place, because anybody can do a schlocky horror movie, anybody can do a schlocky movie, period. But those broader themes are kind of what make the energy and the investment worth your time, your energy, and your attention, right?
2: Do you ever wonder where all your money went, like, every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way, too, until I got Rocket Money. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com
3: Say hello to a new era of mental health care.
1: Kind of almost where I start off with is, you know, in films. I mean, I started working at New Line when I was 19, so I kind of grew up in the studio uh, system. So I definitely learned the business side of it. And for me, it was always about merging business with creative. Mm -hmm. So you weren't sacrificing the creative. Um, So, um, Oh my gosh, it's so funny because I, 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 my allergies are killing me, so I'm a little hopped up on allergies. <laughs> right now, so I, I just completely, I quit, I, I literally just blanked on what your question was. So I was going to stumble around till I got back to it. Oh, don't worry about um, it. <laughs> that's
0: a, don't! Uh, it's a very dangerous thing uh, illness and medicine are very dangerous so know, when you I were at New Line when you were at New Line you were talking about how we were talking about how you know it could be schlocky but the, the deeper theme oh, makes this yeah, stuff work absolutely
1: absolutely and um, so that's one of the things that I you know that you know I loved working at New Line it's like you know even Nightmare on Elm Street you know the theme was right. you know the sins of the parents visiting, visiting on the children and you know I think that that New Line was very, I, I, you know, especially back in its heyday, you know, when I worked there, it was, there were such smart people there because they had their divisions that, you know, would do niche films for different markets because they realized that the movie going audience was so vast and there were so many stories you could tell um, that yeah. weren't being heard by mainstream studios. So they were very focused on story and concept. And oh, that's, I know where I was going with all that now. <laughs> it came back to me. <laughs> um, so for me, I usually think of a theme or a log line or something that's going to st- hopefully strike a chord with a larger number, a large number of people, like with final destination, it was like, you know, everybody's afraid of dying, mm-hmm. you know, and and you can't control it. Hopefully you can delay it for a while. Um, but you just never know when you're, when your number's up. So that mm-hmm. was, you know, that was a theme that I knew was really going to resonate with a lot of people. And, and that's what I try to do with, with all my projects, you know, um, you know, some of them turn out like I want them and some of them don't, but like with with Tamara, it was it was both an homage to Carrie because I love that movie. I'm just mm-hmm. as I jokingly say, I just hate that you have to wait till the last 20 minutes for all hell to break loose. And you know, but it's <laughs> you know it 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 deals with being kind of an outcast and being yeah. you know picked on and and bullied. So you know, I I try to go for themes like that, and I think that you know again that's one of the things that you learn from films like The Exorcist is like. You know, I mean that. You know, that movie really was all about faith at the end of the day, and the love of a mother and her, you know, for her daughter and what lengths she was willing to go to. Um,
0: and also, don't you, know, you think that the, uh, in general, uh, horror movies, thoughtful horror movies in particular, really, they're kind of built to appeal to the outcast, aren't they? I mean, that, it's the outcast in all of us is kind of the subtext of what all horror movies are, right?
1: Yeah, it's pretty going all the way back to Frankenstein, and right. you know, and yeah, it's, that's pretty much.
0: Yeah. It, you,
1: and, and I think that it's partly because it doesn't matter who you are. I had, I had a friend, um, I won't, I won't, I won't say his name, but I had a friend in college who was like this really popular, like athlete, but he was, he was such a jerk to everybody, but he was really nice to me when we were like by <laughs> ourselves. And I'm like, I'm like, I said, why? I said, you're such a nice guy. I said, why do you act like that to every in front of everybody when you're, why are you such an asshole to everybody? And he said, well, that's always what people expect from me being a mm athlete and that was, you know, and he wasn't, you know, he was, he was being very sincere about it. Like it's just, that was kind of, since he was an athlete, people thought he, people always said, you have to be cocky. You have to be this way and that way. And so he kind of, you know, and he was a popular guy. So I I realized, wow, even the popular people, you know, I know some people might be like, Oh, poor him, but that was a very real thing for him. Mm -hmm. Like he had to act against who he was because this was expected of him and being a popular person. So mm-hmm. I realized that any, everybody kind of has that feeling that they're not enough. There's there, there's there's just something in our, in our DNA. I think that makes us think that we're not enough or we're searching for something, a higher purpose and we're searching to fit in or we feel like we don't fit in. And that, that's something I don't care how much money you have or how beautiful you are. Like, you know, I meet people all the time and from all walks of life and they all have that same thing. You know, if you really sit down and talk to them, um, so, yeah, I think that, that that kind of outsiderness, you know, hits everybody. But I think especially in the horror genre, because I think a lot of horror fans and people who make horror films grew up on these. And, you know, obviously everybody was growing up is like, how can you watch that sick stuff? You must be crazy. You must mm-hmm. be, you know, the weird, I, you know, when I meet people, the first thing they say is like, oh, you you're not creepy at all. I'm like, most of my friends, <laughs> most of my friends aren't creepy. You know, there's maybe one or two creepy people I know. You know, in the horror genre, you know the creepier people are. You know, getting, <laughs> getting fired at Miramax. Um, <laughs> you know, those those
0: are the real, are the real creeps. People. Yeah, those
1: are the real creeps. So, um, you know, it's it's pretty interesting people's perception of what what horror, how horror, you know, creators are. But the reality is, we did grow up on a genre that we've always adored, but we've been told is is you know pretty much one step above porn as far as respectability goes. It's like it doesn't matter that it's the most profitable genre of film. Yeah. In which it is, just yeah. you know, factually, and it makes the money. Like there's still this, you know, this looking down on it for some stupid reason. You know, it just it's, it's, you
0: know, even with so. even with you know the the box office of James Wan's movies, the the even with uh, the achievement of uh, uh, the the remake of it. To I guess be the the top grossing am I getting this right the top grossing R rated horror movie of all time beating out I The think, Exorcist,
1: yeah. And and the funny thing is like the the three most profitable films of the year when you consider return on investment how much they spent making the film to how much it made the three most profitable films were it Get Out and Annabelle Creation. So the three mm-hmm. most profitable films again based on their you know like obviously there are films like Justice League that did better but. Justice League also costs like a gazillion dollars. <laughs> and um, so, as far as prof- profitability goes, you know, horror this year was really, this was the year for horror. Um, I think Newsweek even did a cover story on it. It was one of, one of the, I think it was Newsweek that did a cover story on it this, like a month ago. Um, just about how big horror, you know, horror is finally getting its, getting the notice that it deserves uh, this year because we you know, you can't avoid the numbers. Mm-hmm. on the, um, you know, how profitable the genre is.
0: I'm talking with Jeffrey Reddick. He's a producer, a writer. He is best known for the Final Destination franchise. And Jeffrey, uh, you've got a new project that's coming soon. I want to give you an opportunity to talk about that. It's called Superstition.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited about the project. It's um, actually uh, set up at Lionsgate and WWE and a company called Global Renaissance Entertainment, which is um, a production company that's run by two dear friends of mine. And um, you know, it's my first slasher film, first of all. So that was really fun to write. Mm-hmm. And, um, it basically, I mean, I can, I can t- tell you the, the log line. It's not going to, you know, that's <laughs> not going to be a secret, but no, it, it's goes under that superstition that deaths happen in threes. So, um, two people die on a college campus and some mysterious person starts a Deadpool on the you know internet where you can download an app and you try to guess who the third person to die is. And, of course, the, whoever's behind it, you know, starts takes the game too far, as they say in horror movie mm-hmm. tagline cliches, um, and starts <laughs> going at going after the people who entered the pool. So it's a really fun, you know, people kind of know that superstition about deaths happening in threes, and it's mm-hmm. it's just a really fun slasher movie. And we also, um, you know, most of our cast, like probably ninety percent of our cast, is African American and Latino. Um, which has always been something that I've tried to strive for in my films mm-hmm. is diversity. But mm-hmm. that's usually the second thing after characterization that always gets stripped out. Like I'll intentionally write characters of different races just to, you know, hope, hope that they'll cast one person. It usually ends up not happening in most of the projects I work on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I tell people this is, you know, the movie's not like get out where it's about anything racial. I said, but it's just like a really good kind of scream, scary slasher movie. But instead of following all the really pretty, white college kids and they're one or two black friends we follow all the really pretty <laughs> black and <laughs> latino uh, kids and they're two and they, you know like they're two or three white friends so it's just it's not about race it's just but i think that a lot of times you can make movies like get out which i think are you know do have a message mm-hmm. and sometimes you can make movies that don't have a message but are just saying something by the fact that they exist yes so um, so i'm really excited about that project yeah it's going to um, going to pick up shooting in january and we've got a great cast we've got Ludacris and um evan ross and and um ba- uh shad Massa or bow wow um oh great I forget what to call him little bow um and lauren mcclain so we've got a really good cast and um yeah i'm just really excited excited about it the getz brothers um who did the martyrs remake are directing it and um yeah it's just it was fun to write a slasher movie i haven't had the that was the one you know i'm very big into supernatural mm-hmm you know, which again mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. goes back to watching movies like The Exorcist growing up. Um, so it was just really fun to write a just a really fun guy with a knife slasher
0: movie. And uh, you're moving into some directing projects, is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I it's it's been one of those things where, you know, I'm doing it more out of there's a couple of stories that I have and a couple of scripts that I have where I don't want anybody messing them up and um, mm-hmm. and you know there comes a there's a point you know in a lot of with a lot of my films where you know the, the projects are just out of my hands after I write the script and sure. so they can change it they can do whatever they want to with it and um, you know sometimes when you're reading reviews and you're like watching them you know the reviews could tweak everything that you knew was like ah they shouldn't do that it's like, well, just direct your own movie. (laughs) But then, but then you're setting yourself up because if people don't like it, then you have nobody to blame but yourself. But, um, but no, I have, I have two, two horror projects that are, that are in the pipeline. And, um, um, one is called Good Samaritan that, um, it's based off a short that I did. And, um, it's about a group of people who witness somebody being assaulted and nobody intervenes. Mm. And, um, it's somebody records it and puts the video out online and the victim dies. And so the w- witnesses are outed and, uh, something starts coming after them. And the, the question is like, is it a killer or is it something supernatural? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, it's more psychological, you know, horror, um, you know, and it, and it does deal with, you know, the theme of if, if you don't help somebody in need and something horrible happens to mm-hmm. them, are you as guilty as the person who did mm-hmm. it? So mm-hmm. that one, you know, that one definitely, without beating people over the head hopefully is is kind of that's the theme for the, for this movie because i've i've been in situations where i haven't you know not in anything horrible but i've been in situations where it's like oh i could have helped that person across the street or mm-hmm. you know and didn't uh, but i've also been in situations where it's like i once saw a guy like you know screaming and shoving his girlfriend around. And I decided to be like, you know, I decided to step in and say something and a guy mm-hmm. like kicked me in the nuts. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, if he had a knife, he probably could have stabbed me because he's like obviously on something. So, you know, those are, those are situations you run into all the time. And, um, you know, so I, that's again, a question that I think would, you know, get people thinking, you know, like next time they see something, it's like, sh- you know, if I don't intervene and something really bad happens here, what's going to, go on. Cause I think we do live in a world where we have to look out for each other, but we often don't. Um,
0: now more than ever.
1: Yeah. And, um, yeah, my other project is called the horror show and it's very, very much. Um, it's about a director who can mani- manipulate reality, uh, through film and he kind of comes to, to his hometown with a vendetta against some people and starts bringing their nightmares to life. And it's very much, you know, kind of my dream pr- project. Both of them are, but I think the horror show is, is, um, a very much a love letter to A Nightmare on Elm Street and Stephen King, because right. I love both of their, you know, I love Wes Craven's work and I love Stephen King's work, and it's got that kind of small town, you know, feel to it where evil comes, and we meet different groups of characters, like we have an elderly couple and a, you know, a single mother in in her 30s, and then we have the teenagers, and so we're cr- kind of cross-cutting to all these characters, and, and the bringing nightmares to life is done in a very Nightmare on Elm Street mm-hmm. way, where mm-hmm. you know, characters are awake, but You know these really fantastical things happen to them so that's really you know my love letter to to Wes Craven and Stephen King so um yeah working on directing both of those um in the next year year you know year and a half so um really excited about that just to to put my you know work out there like pure pure Reddick you know on the screen (laughs) and (laughs) <laughs> and then um, if people don't like it, then I'll blame the projectionist.
0: <laughs> i say it's all Lance Reddick. It's a whole yeah. different Reddick than you. <laughs> I know. Uh, Jeffrey Reddick, I'm so thrilled that you've been able to share some time with us talking about The Exorcist and all the projects that you're involved in now. Thanks, Congratulations so much on all your success. Uh, best you, wishes for the future. And uh, again, thanks for being part of this. I'm so happy no, to have you.
1: It's my pleasure. And um, yeah, I was trying to think of a really... Cheesy Exorcist line to go out on, but I can't think of anything right now because I'm still hopped up on the cold medicine. So, th- well, no, I appreciate you having me, and um, you know, and also it's good to see some, you know, because you know it's always just I'm a you know Nightmare on Elm Street's like my favorite movie of all time, but The mm-hmm. Exorcist is certainly in my top list, and so it's always great to to meet fellow fans who are like, you know, keeping like their their fan favorite project alive. Absolutely. You know, not that it had not that it needs to be kept alive, but it's good to see you, you know, again. Because it's a masterpiece, you know, and it's it's always going to be one. So, um, yeah, it's just nice to meet a fellow geek who's (laughs) doing their their part to keep the film they love.
0: Well, next time I'm in your neighborhood, I'll call you up and we can play Frisbee.
1: Absolutely. I'm sure I'll do worse than Devin. (laughs) (laughs) Jeffrey Reddick, (laughs) thank you very much for
0: your time. Bye-bye.